We join on the line now by Nadir Token, investment analyst at 24-7 Investment Managers. Good morning, Nadir. Good morning, Sakina. Good morning to your listeners. Nadir, let's just focus for a moment on the harmful effects of the flight of corporate capital in South Africa. Yeah, Sakina, I mean, you know, there's obviously much being made about the current account deficit in South Africa and it becoming a chronic problem. And I think, uh, you know, I would tend to agree with that, as would any reasonable analyst in the market tend to agree that uh, a sustainable and a prolonged period of uh, maintaining a high current account deficit definitely is detrimental to the economy. Um, And if we look at the latest reading, the overall current account deficit came out at about 5% of GDP. Now, um, you know, if we take a step back and say, well, how is this current account deficit calculated? Um, the first component is the trade balance, basically how much do we export, less how much do we import, and we know that we're running a very minor, or not a minor, but a relatively small uh, you know, trade deficit at the moment of about, well, for the first quarter of 2016, of about 38 billion rand. And then the second component of the current account uh, would be the balance of payments. That's basically um, how much profits that uh, local companies earn offshore, which they repatriate back to South Africa less the amount of profits that foreign corporations earn in South Africa um, that they repatriate back to, their, back to their home countries. And I think, Sakina, that deserves a little bit more attention because that component, the balance of payments component of the current account uh, comes to about 174 billion rand deficits in the first quarter. So as we can quite clearly see, the trade balance pales in comparison to the balance of payments uh, balance deficit. So, you know, Sakina, there's a couple of... There's a couple of reasons behind this. Obviously, uh, you know, there's a lot of mining, uh, international mining companies that operate in South Africa, um, and in a declining commodity price environment, and with their shares coming under severe pressure, um, you know, in order to appease shareholders, we've seen a lot of repatriation of mining profits earned in South Africa uh, back into home countries, and that's obviously their profits have come under pressure as a result of, of uh, the weaker commodity prices and uh, higher input costs, etc. So, in order to appease those shareholders, we've seen that happening. Um, you know, and I think, that, that, and, and, and this isn't an environment where local businesses are growing, or, or corporate South Africa is growing fixed investment at, uh, or is, is declining fixed investment, should I say, by about 7%, and government is declining its, uh, its, its, its fixed investment spend by about 12%. So we're not seeing investment in the South African economy, Sakina, and this is what's ultimately translating um, into a very, very weak economic picture and weak final demand for the South African economy and the bad knock-on impacts of high unemployment and, uh, you know, not, uh, not uh, no-growing GDP, which is what the ratings agencies have been warning about. So how do we combat this problem, Sakina? I mean, there's been some uh, radical suggestions being made in terms of, uh, you know, putting in place capital controls, and, uh, you know, that, 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 that's been made by fairly left uh, wings of, of, of South African policymakers. But, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, um, you know, we've got to become a more attractive destination to attract foreign direct investment. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the capital control would probably be, be a short-term solution um, to the problem because all that happens is that, yes, it's going to prevent those corporates from repatriating all the profits they make in South Africa. And over the short term, it will undoubtedly improve our current account numbers. But over the long term, it could deter investment in the South African economy. So, you know, investment is really a function 
question of uh, the potential rate of return, coupled with uh, the policy certainty that's provided in a particular country. You know, and I think uh, there's a lot of debate going on at the moment about policy certainty in South Africa. And uh, you know, we also have all these global headwinds. So Brexit weighing on global economic growth, the shift in China's source of their economic growth. So you know, um, in, in, in factors outside of South Africa's control is already stacked against us in terms of attracting further investment into the South African economy. And, uh, you know, imposing capital controls could quite, quite plausibly compound that. Although, you know, it is a debate which needs to be had because it is a relatively sound argument, um, you know, given the magnitude of the balance of payment deficits relative to the trade deficits. And, uh, you know, if we're going to long-term sustainably uh, deal with our, our, our current account deficit, these are debates which need to be had. Mm. And staying with Brexit, uh, the impact of Brexit on global monetary policy, uh, um, Nadir, what has that been? Yeah, well, Sakina, this is quite an interesting one. You know, we've almost done a complete U-turn from six months ago. I mean, if we uh, rewind back to the start of this year or the end of last year, should I say, we saw the first uh, interest rate increase in the U.S. Um, for, for, for almost a decade. Um, you know, and we, we, we firmly believe that the U.S. economy was on, on a sustainable growth trajectory to sustain higher interest rates. And that's what the Federal Reserve continuously reiterated. And that's what we, were gonna, we thought we were going to through, see through the course of 2016. And then, uh, lo and behold, um, a Brexit event happened uh, earlier or late last week. And even before the Brexit event, you know, it it, it was a very seesaw ride in terms of whether the Federal Reserve is going to continue on its interest rate increasing path, um, you know, or whether it was going to hold off on that. And I think uh, after the Brexit vote, this has introduced a lot of uncertainty into the global economy. It's introduced a lot of uncertainty in terms of where economic growth is going, because uh, corporates and, pers- and, and, and individuals within uh, the UK and possibly within the broader European Union are going to delay spending plans and in, the term, in, 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 in terms of corporates delay investment plans. And this will obviously have a, ne- a knock-on impact onto uh, UK and Eurozone economic growth and potentially spread across the Atlantic to the US and the rest of the world. Um, and this is in, a, in, in, in an environment where we know China is slowing as well. So, you know, the, the global central banks are faced with all these conundrums in terms of headwinds to global economic growth. And as a result of that, we've seen almost a complete U-turn from global central bankers in terms of when interest rates are going to be, con- uh, going to be increased. Um, you know, if we look at the Fed funds futures rates, uh, they're pricing in a, uh, uh, basically a 0% chance of, a, of, of an increase until the end of the year. And even at the December meeting, only an 8% chance of a 25 basis point increase from the Federal Reserve. So that tells a completely different story to uh, you know, what we, what we were bracing ourselves for uh, potentially at the beginning of the year and even moving into uh, the beginning of the second quarter, you know, as the U.S. data continued to look more positive. Um, the dollar had lost some of its strengthening momentum, which obviously uh, had, uh, prevented ongoing deflation within the eurozone and could boost corporate profitability. Uh, but all that's gone out the window now, Sakina. And in fact, in the case of the Bank of England, um, we see Mark Carney rushing to the market to, uh, you know, assuage investors and to, and, 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 and to calm markets down and saying, well, you know, the Bank of England has an additional £250 billion pounds of liquidity uh, that, it can, that, that it can flush the banks with, um, you know, should the need arise to prevent uh, credit markets from seizing up. So if anything, um, you know, the Brexit vote has thrown a spanner amongst the works in terms of global monetary policy simply because of the impact it would have on economic growth. Um, and as a result of that, uh, the central banks are firmly back on the lower for longer train and 
perhaps even in the case of the EC, uh, in the ECB or the Bank of England, um, you know, flooding markets with more liquidity. Well, Nadir, we're going to leave it there for this morning. Thank you so much. Nadir Token, Investment Analyst at 274 Investment Managers.